Goldthorpe is number one. A kickstart for Australia. Gold in a world record. Now it's Donovan Bailey trying to pick up runners. Donovan Bailey is putting on the third. A perfect score, 10.0 for Nancy Cavanici, a perfect score. The first time I've never seen anyone get a over 100 years, nobody's won as many medals at the Olympic Games in any sport than this great champion, Michael Phelps. Usain Bolt, sprinting ahead, winning by daylight and setting a world record. 9.68, the wind is okay. How easy was that? It is Off The Podium, an Olympics podcast coming to you today for the greatest single podcast in the history of podcasting. That is right. We are interviewing Chloe Esposito. That makes it automatically the greatest podcast in the history of podcasting. Modern pentathlon gold medalist from Rio in 2016. Also competed in London. Just an absolutely amazing interview we have for you today with Chloe. Of course, long-term listeners to this show would remember our excitement over this win back in Rio. Remember us championing the sport of modern pentathlon in our very first episode. There's a long journey for us to get from day one right through here to Chloe, but an even longer journey for Chloe and how she got from picking up the sport as a 10-year-old right through to winning Olympic gold in Rio. It's a fascinating story. Just a chance box opening of a dad's tracksuit from the Los Angeles 1984 Olympics that led her on to an amazing career in the sport. A career that's still going, of course, too. Obviously, wasn't in Tokyo, but uh, setting her sights on Paris. And just everything about this interview is so fascinating. Learning more about the training involved in modern pentathlon. Obviously, five very unique sports that don't really equate to each other. How you balance the training, the mental aspect of going through the training for each of those sports. Just how close she came to qualifying at Beijing as a 15-year-old and how she can now use her win to help spur on the next generation of modern pentathletes to really go out there and continue this legacy, which Chloe has legitimately set right now, and particularly also for female athletes. This is a, a fantastic chat. It lives up to every single expectation you can ever have of us talking up Chloe Esposito over the last five years. So without further ado, here is our chat with Olympic champion in the sport of modern pentathlon, Chloe Esposito. Back in 2016, when we first started this show, on our very first episode, I championed a little sport called modern pentathlon, saying that this was the greatest sport in the world and that more people needed to pay attention to it. Now, during those Olympics... A certain athlete won Australia's first ever medal in the sport of modern pentathlon. It just happened to be a gold medal. I then championed it, saying that was the greatest Olympic moment in the history of Australia, that this is my point. We needed to celebrate it <laughs> even more so along the way. And I am so excited to be able to say that today on Off the Podium, we are speaking to that very athlete who won that famous gold medal back in Rio 2016 in modern pentathlon. And for the first ever time on this show, not only are we speaking to somebody from modern pentathlon, 
but royalty, because we are speaking to a queen today, Queen Chloe Esposito. Chloe, welcome Hello. to the podcast. It's a pleasure to have you today. Oh, thank you very much. What an introduction. That was lovely. I had to live up to expectations. I feel like, you know, I, I like to say we have some sort of responsibility in your gold medal win back then for, for doing that in our very first episode. So it's like we've got to peak up to this massive <laughs> intro when we when we talk you up. So uh, oh, that was no, that was lovely. Thank you. It's I have to say, it is the most unique sport in the entire world to think that you can take five different sports, put it into one, and then have to find a way to compete in all of them to then go on to to, to win it. It's absolutely incredible. And obviously, you grew up in a household where this was kind of part of your family. Do you remember yeah. as a child speaking to your dad, going like, Dad, what is this sport? And, and then... Do you remember at a moment when you think, okay, I want to try this. This sounds crazy enough that I want to give it a go. Yeah, I know. Funnily, funnily enough, it was exactly like that. Um, but Dad, he's really modest and he doesn't like talking about himself. So I always knew he did sport, but it wasn't till until I was about 10 years old where Dad told me about his Olympic journey and what he did. So it was a while. Um, and I remember him going into the garage and grabbing out a big, suitcase it had Australia plastered across it and pulling out all his Olympic memorabilia like his tracksuit his fencing a uniform and my sister was there with me and we're trying it on and like fencing one another and just being silly and that's when he told us about his journey and I remember from that moment I said to myself I want to go to an Olympic Games one day for modern pentathlon so it was pretty it was exactly like that <laughs> wow wow does he have, did he have footage of it like was this something that like you know somebody had taped back home watching the Olympics uh, no, no I don't have any footage of the I don't think so but I have seen some videos of him and he's got a lot of photos and stuff as well so he um, has shown us a lot of photos um, but I don't think we have any footage of his Olympic Games unfortunately because I can always imagine it's one of those things when you sort of, you know, you're at an age where I guess you can appreciate what your parents do or have done and yeah. that sort of stuff. It's always kind of fascinating. But to, to just sort of see all that memorabilia and everything along those lines too. I mean, were you much of a, a sporting child before that point? Were you sort of competing lots in sports before the age of 10? Yeah. So in school, I'd always go because my parents, um, they've always been around swimming pools. My dad used to um, lease a big um, public pool now they own and they run their own swim school so I've always grown up around pools so swimming was something that I've done from a really really young age and I always go on the school swimming carnivals had joined a swimming club and then also athletics um, we go on school cross country uh, little A's as well and carnivals so it was only really running and swimming before about yeah then but yeah, I love sport. I absolutely love sport. But once it was, once dad told me what he did, I really want, I don't know if you remember the show called the saddle club. Oh yeah, absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> I was obsessed with the saddle club. And once dad told me about what he did, I wanted to start horse riding straight away because I loved the girls on the saddle club. So that was one thing that I really, so I did the swimming running and then the horse riding was the next to, um, for me to start, which I was just obsessed with. And I still am. I love it. I, I have to admit probably as a, a child, I watch that every now and then. I don't know why. I probably wasn't of the right, you know, uh, demographic. But I weirdly discovered recently that Chris Hemsworth was on that for an episode or two, really? I think, back in the day. So prior oh, to wow. his home and away days, he was a Saddle Club uh, cast member. So there's, a, <laughs> there's some have footage to, go to back track and down. Watch some episodes. Yeah, yeah. I will. Oh, that's really interesting. I have to go watch some. It's always interesting when you kind of discover these sort of actors who maybe yeah. you know, are in those kind of shows like that. When you are 10 years old then and you mm -hmm. want to get into modern pentathlon in Australia, 
kind of probably helps to have a dad who went to the Olympics in it to have some connections. But but how on earth do you go? I mean, it's not like you can just go down to the, the local modern pentathlon club. I can't no, imagine yeah. there's sort of one down there. So how do you then take those steps for that journey? So we, I, what we did was like we spoke to dad. We kept doing what I was doing, my swimming and my running, and then I picked up the horse. Right? I think, though, I was probably 11 when I started horse riding, um, and then – I, yeah, it was basically only dad that, well, there were some other pentathletes, older ones in New South Wales, but most of them lived down in um, Victoria and based in Melbourne. So there was a few competitions down there, but so dad, I picked up the horse riding. Then when I was 12 years old, I was able to get my shooting license. So I got my shooting license at 12 and then started fencing. So by the age of 12, I was doing all five sports and I went in my first competition when I was uh, 12 years old. It was just a small youth competition. So um, I didn't have much horse riding experience then, but it was from, yeah, by the age of 12, I was um, training for all five sports. And of course that wasn't too long after the Sydney Olympics when women's modern pentathlon made its debut, was it not? So that kind of obviously I can imagine sort of the the women's side of the competition was really taking off given that it had just made its an Olympic debut at that time as well. Yeah, so modern pentathlon had been in the Olympics since the first Olympic Games, but it was only for uh, males. And then in 2000, they introduced um, females were able to compete at the Olympic Games. Before that, the women would have like their World Cups and World Series and stuff like that. But um, 2000 was the first Olympic Games. So that was really exciting knowing that I would have a chance um, to try and qualify for an Olympic Games for Australia. And did you go to watch any of the modern pentathlon at Sydney? Uh, no, I don't think I didn't watch any of the pen. I, I remember going to watch like the athletics and the um, cross country show jumping. I watched that. That was awesome. But I can't remember watching any of the pentathlon. <laughs> wow. I'm surprised your dad sort of doesn't get like front row tickets or something like I know. that to it. <laughs> like, isn't there some sort I, of I like, you know, legacy program yeah, there that he should get I automatic know. entry? <laughs> it should. I think maybe he went to watch some with some friends, but we went to a few of the other events, which was still awesome. Which I can imagine then when you're switching focus and you're kind of combining all these and and going to school and sort of, you know, hey, what do you play? Oh, you know, I play soccer, I play netball, I play football. What do you do? Oh, I'm a a pentathlete. I mean, how do you sort of describe that then to your friends? And I mean, what sort of questions must you get asked when you say I'm a pentathlete? Yeah, no, everyone at school thought I was like the weird sports girl, Um, especially in high school, not so much in primary school because in primary school and I do a few talks at schools and I tell the kids like I wasn't naturally talented and I didn't win any in primary school, any races or anything like that. It was, wasn't until high school where I started to get, um, cause I was training more. So I was improving, but yeah, everyone thought it was just like a weird sport, but they knew that's what I did. And that's what I was known for. And I think that's how, otherwise, if I didn't go to that school, no one really, would have really known about pentathlon because it's such a mixed bag and there's hard, I think maybe now in New South Wales there might be about three or four athletes that do pentathlon so wow. it's, oh no no sorry we have a few more now we have a few more in New South Wales so I was thinking Sydney maybe about 20 I think we have now okay wow. in New South Wales, so which is yeah which is all right which is well, I was going to ask, what, what was it sort of like when you were getting started like what were the numbers like for both men and, and women yeah um no it wasn't big at all especially dad used to tell us when he did it, there was a lot more athletes. And then I think it's just slowly died off and then it's picked up again now. But when I was doing it, we'd always have to go down to Melbourne for competitions and in competitions for the women, I think we'd get maybe like this is senior and junior, maybe maximum eight to 10 
not even. And the males were about the same. There was, or maybe even like there was, yeah, hardly anyone that did it. So we'd always have to travel for competition and stuff because um, that's what you just had to do because there wasn't really too many comps being held over Australia. So when there was one, you definitely want to get there. It's. I think the reason why I'm fascinated by it because I'm a big, winter olympics fan and i'm always fascinated by the journey of the the athletes in australia to getting to a winter olympics and i kind of equate modern pentathlon almost to that of a winter athlete because it's obviously a very you know small sport in australia it's yeah. very big in europe and everything along those lines so it's it's almost like you have to go through the same hoops to get to that world stage and particularly as you're saying there with such small participation numbers i, I mean just fast forwarding a little bit to after mm-hmm. rio did you think it took something that would have taken something like your win in Rio to really boost participation in the sport so people can have eyes on it? Because I guess we don't ever see modern pentathlon in Australia, yeah. do we, until an Olympics? And even then it might be a, a one-hour highlights package at 1am on Channel 7 or something like that, isn't yeah. it? Yeah, I know, yeah, and it's still on TV. They don't really I, – I think – on now on like KO sports and stuff, they um, have some of the World Cups and World Championships on there. But this was the first time, so it was lovely sitting here and watching the Tokyo Olympics because um, Channel 7 played most of the sports now. And um, I remember in Rio, they, no one really was there to film because no one really expected anything. And then I think it was maybe halfway through the last event, the running and shooting, they realised, oh, hold on a second, this girl might have a chance. And I remember um, one of the commentators telling me someone ran into the um, the media room and said, okay, we have a chance in pentathlon. Does anyone know anything about yeah. modern pentathlon? And they were like, mm, and one guy put his hand and said, oh, I think I might. And so we got a little bit of airtime then in Rio, which was amazing. But Tokyo, sitting down and watching it, I got to watch the whole games, which was incredible, which was awesome. So I think it took the gold in Rio to finally get some airtime on TV, which is nice. We had Joanna Griggs on recently and she told a story about the the sort of um, the bedlam that it was when they realised that you were about to meddle. And uh, yeah. she had people like Basil Zemplis and all that going like, no, nah, we have no idea. Um, <laughs> so it was sort of just going through the, the motions with everything along those lines, which is always yeah. kind of fun to see. And I, I see, you know, as I said at the beginning of the interview, we – we were championing this all and we were counting every day we were doing Rio coverage. Okay, it's only two days to modern pentathlon one day. And, of course, because yeah. it was sort of on the middle of the night here, uh, I remember going to sleep and then kind of, you know, you I fall asleep with the TV on because I'm weirdly obsessed with yeah. the Olympics and wake up and I remember kind of gradually looking at the screen and I think I'm saying, like, oh, yeah, cool, someone's done well overnight, all right. Kind of then all of a sudden, oh, yeah, modern pentathlon, I'll switch on. And then it all clicked and then I'm seeing you on screen, <laughs> I'm seeing them, I'm like going – Am I am I dreaming? Like we've been talking about this sport for two weeks, and now we've won a no. This is not true. What's happening? And then all of a sudden it clicks because this is it was the one event in Rio. I think that as you said, no one was paying attention to, and then it's like not only we won a medal, got a gold. It was crazy. Yeah, <laughs> I know it was. It was pretty. Um, yeah, it was. It was nuts actually, and especially hearing stories like you said. It was on. The, I think the last event was maybe on like at six thirty, seven o'clock in the morning Australia time, like in Sydney. And um, so that's when people were waking up and seeing what had happened. But it really hit me when, like, after it happened, my friends are sending me articles in the newspaper and stuff. And I'm like, oh, okay, yeah. But when I got off the plane and got home, people were like, 
saying, Chloe Esposito, modern pentathlon, like pulling me here, pulling me there for an interview. And I'm like, how do people know what this sport is? And how do people know my now? That's when he was like, oh my goodness, people actually sort of know what the sport is now, which was nice. When it comes to training, obviously five very unique disciplines. I can imagine you've got to spread it out a little bit. I mean, is, is there one that always kind of takes precedence over the other, whether that comes down to the fact that you always feel that's the one you need to work on or is it yeah. more of a, a strategic thing that you need to sort of do more training in one? I mean, how, how does a general week work for a pentathlete? So leading um, after I competed in the London Olympics and in London I came seventh and I made a promise to myself when I crossed the line that I wanted to go to Rio, but this time I was going to be on the podium, but I really needed to improve my fencing. That was my weakest um, event. So I had to make a lot of improvements in my fencing and a lot of changes. So one of the things we did was we moved overseas to Europe and like you said before, it's very popular. We moved to Budapest um, in Hungary and like swimming is here in Australia, that's what pentathlon is like over there. Everyone knows the pentathletes. They're like famous. So it was like the hub for pentathlon. So we went there and trained. So I really need to work my fencing and the fencing is amazing over there. So fencing was one that I really had to put the hours in, but a normal week for us when I, before Rio full-time training was four to five sessions a day. So wow. it wasn't like, yeah, it wasn't like just focus on one sport one day. Um, we did quickly, it was swimming. We did five sessions a week. Running was five sessions a week. Uh, fencing was four free play sen- fencing sessions. So that's when you fence like about other athletes. And that was, that went for two hours. Then we'd have another three individual like fencing lessons with a coach. Then we do three horse riding sessions a week, four to five shooting sessions two gym sessions and I think that's it. Wow. <laughs> I'm pretty sure that's it, yeah. And then we'd wow. have to we'd, um, fit in like a massage and like recovery sessions as well. That must be mentally insane to try and just not only, you know, keep up physically but like mentally yeah. to be able to kind of do all of that because, again, it's it's not like you're quite fencing to riding much often or, you know, running to yeah. swimming. Like it's it's crazy to think what that must do to you as an athlete mentally as well. Yeah, it was for, that's why we'd always have Sunday be a rest day unless there was a competition on or something. But Sunday we'd always just have a rest day and do something like not involving sport or talking about sport. Sometimes because I've been so busy during the week, I just love to sit down in the lounge, watch Netflix and like not move or something. Or we'd go out, go to a restaurant, do a bit of shopping, um, just anything away from sport. And that's, I think, what kept me sane as well, just having that time away from sport. On a is Sunday. It, is it a sport, we see obviously say like in the decathlon and the heptathlon that, you know, often athletes will have obviously a preferred event, you know, they're, they're kind of better at the high jump, they're better at the, the run or whatever yeah. it is along those lines. I mean, is it a sport where that is, you know, common, like you're going to be a better rider and you're going to make it up for it or is it a case of you've really got to be, I guess, consistent among the five disciplines to really be a good pentathlete? Yeah. So what we've always said, we speak as my family, um, if you're consistent at all of them and you peak at one event, I think that's um, what makes a good pentathlete. So I think for in Rio, especially I was consistent throughout all of them. And then my peak event was the last event, the running and shooting. So yeah, consistency is key. 
With that then, does it come a case where say you, you come back from London and as you're saying, mm-hmm. obviously you're working on your, your fencing and everything along those lines, but is it a case that you can kind of go through peaks and troughs? So all of a sudden your fencing improved, but maybe the swimming's gone down a little bit or kind of the, the riding goes down a little bit or that sort of stuff. Or is it all about, as you're just saying, that consistency where you don't want to get yourself in that zone where something like that happens? Yeah, but there was, t- sorry, also there was times where we were able to let, if we weren't close to a competition, I was able to let maybe my swimming um, drop a little bit and really focus on my fencing because I had that time before when I knew competitions weren't coming up that I could really, really put in the hours for fencing. So I was able to let the others drop a little bit um, knowing that we had nothing really important coming up. Um, And then once that time was over, I'd pick up everything back to normal again. So there were times where I could drop things off, pick up other things a little bit. Um, But once we were in full-on training for we had a goal of a competition it'd be consistent obviously your first olympics was london but you actually tried to qualify for beijing at the ripe old age of 15 15. Uh, how how, how close were you because i believe you were doing very well and and were right on the cusp of that qualification spot were you not yeah so i had won all the qualification comps um in australia and I think just because I was so young, I was really nervous. And actually our qualifying comp to qualify for Beijing was in Tokyo. Wow. So I remember going and I was so, so nervous. (laughs) (laughs) I shot terribly, not what I normally shoot, just because the nerves kicked in. Fencing was horrendous because I hadn't had much fencing experience um, then. So I'm fencing all these experienced fences all from overseas. I just basically froze. Horse riding, I had terrible, terrible horse ride. I remember my mum couldn't watch. She had to walk off somewhere. I think she was crying because she was so nervous for me. And then, oh, because back then also the shooting and the running weren't combined. It was five individual sports. Um, Swimming, I I saw I'm good. Um, And my running was good, but I was just too far behind. So I didn't qualify. So, but back then I I was upset, but I guess because I was so young, didn't really hit me that hard. I thought, you know what, I'm still young. I can train hard for the next Olympics. So after that, I was like, I want to qualify for London. So, yeah, but only 15 years old. In hindsight, had you qualified, do you think that would have changed much over the journey? Like giving you a bit of extra experience, maybe the, the medal could have come at an Olympics early in, in London or is it kind of hard uh, to tell? Yeah, it, it, I think, yeah, definitely I would have got more experience because going from London to Rio definitely helped me um, competing in London because I had that experience uh, that helped so, so much. And I was able, because London, like my first like competition in Tokyo, I was so, so nervous. So definitely if I had gone to Beijing, I think I would have had um, more experience. But I was still in London, I was 20. So I think I was one of the youngest in the field still. So yeah, it's it's hard to say, but definitely more experience, and it just would have it would have been nice to have another Olympics under the belt. <laughs> we always like to hear from all our guests on the show. I guess the Olympic experiences outside of the competing. You, you mentioned sort of at that young age, discovering what your mm-hmm. dad did, setting that goal to go to an Olympics. I mean, do you sort of remember just? the atmosphere and the feelings when, first of all, you made the Olympics in 2012 and then just little things like going to an opening ceremony, experiencing the village, kind of all those sort of things that you did when you first got to London? Oh, I was so, so excited. I was so excited to get all like the uniform and then because we've got telephones and stuff, like all the free things there and the food hall that was in London was incredible. Um, But because pentathlon's on the last day, we had – 
a training camp um, in France before. So I flew to London for the opening ceremony because it was my first Olympics. Um, and because dad had been already, he knew what it's like after when other athletes finish and everyone just goes out and parties, it's lots of distractions. So he said, we'll go for the opening ceremony and then we'll fly back to France. I went for the opening ceremony. Amazing. It was something so, oh, so special. Walking in. Ceremony. Yeah. Yeah. Walking in with the, um, with Australian team. It was just amazing. And you know what else in London, I was so upset because pentathlon was on the last day. I missed out on the closing ceremony because after we finished, we didn't finish till like seven o'clock and then I had to um, be drug tested and I couldn't go to the bathroom. So I was sitting there for hours and hours and the Spice Girls were playing at the closing ceremony uh. in London and I was so <laughs> upset because all I wanted to do was see the Spice Girls. So I missed that on the closing ceremony in London, but I made Damn. up for it in Rio. But um, oh, it was incredible. But then also having that experience, knowing what it's like in the village, before Rio we decided not to go to the opening ceremony and we had a training camp in Mexico and I didn't, uh, didn't arrive in Rio until I think it was four days or oh no, three days before my event. It, it must be just also for the family, like for have your dad, you know, compete in the Olympics and then to see his daughter grow up to go yeah. to an Olympics as well. I mean, kind of, do you remember, did he give you any advice? Did he sort of say anything to you beforehand when you had qualified? I mean, that must be a pretty special moment for him to kind of have you oh. go to an Olympics. Definitely. It was very, very special, but dad's always, he's sort of the quiet guy. He, um, he doesn't say too much. He likes to say three things through the results that we get. So, um, and he always says to us, training is the hard part. Competition's the easy part. So he'd always in training, he'd always be saying things to us. Of course, in competition, he'd help us if something was going wrong or, but he'd like in training, that's where he'd give us a lot of advice or get cranky if we weren't doing something <laughs> or training hard enough or give us positive feed back then. And the like Olympic competition, it was, he said, or as he always said, it's the easy part. You've done it in training before. Um, you just need to do it again in competition and try to have a really relaxed outlook. And we all, we never ever spoke about results at competitions or even before we never spoke about it because he said that that wasn't important. If you do it in training, you'll be able to do it at competition. Well, I'm going to mention a result. You finished seventh yeah. in London, which was the first time an Australian pentathlete had finished top 10 since Donald McMichael back in 1964 uh, <laughs> in, in Tokyo. Um, I mean, must be a pretty incredible feeling to get a, a top 10 at an Olympics. I mean, did you oh. walk away from London happy with your performance? Did you think you could have gone better and walked away with the middle? I mean, how did you leave no, London feeling? Oh, oh, I was over the moon with my result in London. And I remember before London, dad, we had a meeting with someone who was helping us out, like a sponsor. And they said, realistically, where do you think Chloe's going to finish in the London Olympics? And dad said, top 10. And I was like, he'd never said that before. And I was like, dad, you're crazy. You're nuts. I'm not going to be in the top 10. It's like my first Olympic games. I'm competing against some of the best women in the world but dad knows best. And yeah, I came seventh. So I was over the moon with seventh. I was just absolutely wrapped with that result. And that's when I said um, to myself that I wanted to go to Rio and be on that podium. So yeah, no, I, I was too happy. In terms of sort of saying talking to sponsors and that, I mean, is it, I can imagine that, uh, you know, going back to my point about how the sport isn't maybe as big here in Australia as in other parts of the world, is, is that a case that a lot of the time too you're, you're having to find sort of sponsorship to help you go to competitions in Europe? I mean, is that kind of helped by the, the federation? I mean, kind of how does that aspect of the sport work? Yeah, um, 
before London, we didn't have like the federation don't get much money. Um, so I didn't have really any, like it was mum and dad basically were my sponsors before London leading into Rio, we got a bit of help, which was good. Um, but it wasn't until after Rio, that's when, um, I got more help to go compete and live overseas again. Cause I competed in, um, started training again in 2017, 18, so it was, yeah, after it took uh, the gold medal to be able to get a bit of help, which was nice. Um, but as you say, it's not a popular sport. So, and that's another thing, like going for meetings to try and find sponsors. It's not about then ask what's your like results. They say, how many followers do you have? It was more about, yeah, the social media aspect, which was a bit disappointing. Um, but what can you do? That's, that's how it goes and it's not a popular sport and I do it because I love it. It's one of those moments and I can imagine um, that once you get the gold, do you feel like going back to some of these maybe sponsors who are maybe a little bit uh, not as nice and go, hey, just FYI, gold medal, could have you could have <laughs> been attached to this, have a nice day. <laughs> yeah, well, but still after the gold, the first six months was crazy and I had I didn't have a manager and that's one piece of advice I give some athletes. I wish I had a manager even before just to help me with little things because if I had got home and had a manager straight away, it would have helped me so, so much. And it took a while to find the right manager. And I'm now with the best manager ever, um, Robert Josky. So he's awesome. But I wish I had been with him before the Rio Olympics um, because after he just, it took me a while to find him, but um, he's helped me so, so much. He's been incredible. It must have also been incredible, of course, to in Rio, going there with Max, uh, obviously have, you know, yeah. continue the family family legacy uh, along the way as well. I mean, gosh, I I know you said your dad's sort of a, a quiet man and kind of doesn't speak that much, but, I mean, surely there's got to be some bursting point where all of a sudden now we've got two of his kids at the Olympics yeah. from Rio. <laughs> well, that, Max makes up for everyone. He talks a lot and he is the joker <laughs> of the family. And that's another thing that kept me sane during the whole lead up to Rio as well, just because we moved overseas to Budapest, so living with dad, Max, my mum came over as well. And my, he was my fiance then my now husband came over in stints back and forward. Um, but Max, it was just so like, cause he was my training partner. Although he was faster than me in the swimming and the running, we just do absolutely everything together. And he was the best thing to have there. Like I'd be able to try and chase him in the running, although he flogged me, have him in the swimming pool next to me. And like, just when you finish a set, getting to the wall and although you're buggered, he just always was able to put a smile on my face. So it was the best thing ever having him training with me. Um, so dad, dad, yes, he was very, very proud. And it was just, yeah, in Rio, we were lucky enough in our room to have, so dad was the coach. Um, we had a friend who was the high performance manager. My mum was able to come over as assistant coach <laughs> and then my brother and myself. So we had a awesome room. Like everyone got along well. It was good. When it comes to the camaraderie with your fellow Australian teammates sort of at, the, at an Olympics, um, I mean, how, given that you're doing five different sports in one, do you kind of try and like, if it was like a, a locker room or a lunch room at school, like are you hanging out with the equestrian kids more than say the swimmer? Cause like you can just basically kind of fit into every single click there. I can imagine Chloe, can't you? <laughs> yeah, but I didn't really know any of the, like, cause I had been overseas for so long. So I didn't really know any of like the swimmers, like individual swimmers or the um, athletics team or the horse. I'd, I'd heard of names. So going into the village, it was like when I'd see these people walking around, I'd be like, oh, oh my goodness, I know, not know them, but I've seen them. I, I know about them and stuff. So no, we didn't really have like 
pentathlon didn't slip into like one sort of sport. We're just like the pentathletes stuck together, but it was so cool seeing everyone in there. Was there anyone that you got like completely starstruck, maybe got a sneaky selfie with or something along those lines? No, it was awesome after um, especially like meeting Kate and Bronte Campbell. That was really cool. Um, And I had known Jess Fox for a while before because my sister competed in the Youth Olympics in 2010 with her. So my sister had always been really good friends with her. So um, it was lovely like seeing Jess in the village. But it was just, yeah, and especially after I'd won the medal, like walking back into the village and everyone cheering for you, it's like... This is really cool. (laughs) (laughs) And all of a sudden people know what pentathlon is. It's like, yay, it's kind of sort of the the benefits of that. (laughs) You you mentioned before about how shooting used to be separate. It wasn't part of the run. Now, I believe was Rio the first Olympics to have it combined? London. It was London. Yeah. And back then it was only three rounds of shooting and you do a kilometre run in between each shoot. So it's 3,000 metres run and total of yeah fif- yeah 15 shots if you got all of them and they changed that so in Rio we did four lots of shooting and it was 800 meters between each shoot so it was 3200 meters and was that a benefit for you or did you prefer it sort of more separate I mean kind of how did that work with your abilities um no I, I did like the shooting like when there's change, everyone always gets upset about it. And I was not, cause I thought it's not even like real shooting anymore because we changed to laser pistol as well. Um, but it, it did help me because uh, it, my shooting was cool. I don't want to tip my own horny, but my shooting was good, but also putting the running and shooting together, I think it did help me. And then adding the extra 200 meters and extra five shots as well in Rio did help me because I knew my shooting was strong and I liked the longer distance running, even though it was only 200 meters, I think it can sometimes make or break people. So I think it definitely did help me out. When you say laser bullets, I'm just picturing like a laser beam. Oh, no, no. Uh- <laughs> yeah, sorry. It's a, it's a laser beam that just comes out and basically hits the target. So it's a lo- electronic target and you've got like five lights on top. So when you get a successful shot, the light goes green. Wow. If it's a fail, it's red. Yeah, so you've got to get the five green lights and you can go and run. So I'm just thinking now that all these days playing laser tag can actually lead to an Olympics now. It's, oh, it's, it's yeah. essentially an Olympic sport. <laughs> <laughs> Literally. And then after, but after I um, had an event where we all went and played laser tag as one of the activities, but I was terrible. <laughs> I thought I'd be really good, but it was so much fun. It's so much fun. I we, we did some commentary during Tokyo of some different events and, you know, we tried to spice it up. So for sailing, Chloe, we added the Pirates of the Caribbean theme. It was a bit of fun. Yeah. Uh, wrestling, <laughs> we added some walk-on music. I'm thinking now modern pentathlon, we need to add Star Wars, you know, pew, pew, pew sounds every time you're shooting. Like, it literally is like that. And also with the fencing too, although it's not a laser. Lightsabers. Like sword. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Goodness. Uh, you could have I know, the, it is. It is a bit the of riding, that. like the sort of, you know, some of the spaceship sounds going on there. I know. That would um, be awesome. But pentathlon, it did come originally from a um, soldier delivering a message to a king. So that's what it's based off. So the soldier had to ride his horse, fight his way with a fencing sword, shoot, swim across the lake or river, whatever it was, and then run and deliver this message to a king. So that's sort of weird. But that that's cool, yeah. The Star Wars would be awesome. It would work. And it's also one of these sports too that, you know, we're always talking about gender equality, having mixed events and all that sort of stuff at Olympics. Mm-hmm. Obviously, there used to be a team event in the men's, but I'm, I'm saying take it to the next level. Have a mixed event, but combine everything at once. So I want you on a horse 
with your fencing sword, then you've got to shoot at the same time, then you've got to somehow run with the horse and then jump in a pool all together and, like, do it all at once. Like, somehow combine it all. (laughs) That'd be crazy. Actually, they they were trying to fight for in Rio to have, because there is a mixed teams event that we have at World Cups and on the World Series, and they were trying to get that into Rio, but unfortunately it didn't. But that was sort of a, um, they changed it a bit where, the running and shooting had obs- it was a bit weird. The running and shooting had obstacles in it and stuff. So um, who knows? It could be next Olympics. It could be on the cards all at once. <laughs> Brisbane, at least by twenty thirty two, you'll be yeah. fine for there. You know, come on, at least the home, home Olympics for that too. Uh, one one aspect that is uh, so fascinating with the sport, of course, on, on the riding aspect, is that you get your horses basically given to you at at random. Now, yeah. How is that something to overcome? Because obviously on the day you can just have an absolute shit show of a horse. We saw that with yeah. Anika Schley obviously yeah. in Tokyo, how bad that turned out for her. I mean, how is that something like when you get given your horse, can you sort of tell? Can you like, oh, this horse is a little shit. I'm not going to like this one. Yeah. Or like, does it wait till you get on it and then go, okay, well, this is how this is going to go. Yeah, there was been a lot of controversy um, recently about Anika and what happened in Tokyo. So I think there will be some big changes coming to the sport. Um, but what it is, so they do an owner's round like two days before, three days before. So where the owner actually rides the horse. So the country that's hosting the competition will supply the horses in Rio. They were all military horses. So, um, they had someone who obviously rides the horse all the time doing the course. So they can prove that the horse can do the show jumping course. And if they can't, if they get too many stops or, um, too many knockdowns, they won't put the horse in the draw and, and the Olympic games they do want to put on a really good show. So they put the best horses that they can find in, um, in world cups and stuff like that. That's not necessarily, necessarily the case because obviously not a lot of people are watching. So sometimes you do get some horses that aren't that great, (laughs) (laughs) but, um, yeah, it is. So they, you get to watch it in the owner's round, see what it's like. Then they give you like a list and tell you if you need to, um, certain things you need to do or if it's a goey horse or if you need to push it along a bit more um, and the equipment you need. You get 20 minutes to warm up with it and, no, you can't change a horse in 20 minutes. So you basically have to deal with what you've been given. Wow. And wow. But that's what pentathlon, it's always been like that and that's something you have to train for and in – I, my heart broke for Annika watching her because, yeah, it was unlucky. And always in the Olympic Games, two people ride the same horse. So she was ranked number one. So the girl who was 17th, um, ranked 17th, rode the same horse before. So we got to watch it go around and it did basically the same t- thing to that girl. In that case, I think they should have – there are reserve horses and she could have – protested and asked for the reserve horse, um, but obviously they didn't give it to her. So, yeah, you just sort of have to deal with what you've been given, which is, yeah, sometimes it's very, very unfair. Because I can imagine in that case that if if you're seeing the horse that you're riding with somebody else that's not doing, like that's got to be a mental thing like, well, okay, this isn't going to be good. Definitely. And sometimes you see someone riding a horse and the horse is stopping, they've fallen off. Then again, it comes down to the riders and in pentathlon, I know for a fact a lot of people don't place that much emphasis and they don't think that horse riding is that important. So they might ride once a month or they'll wait till it's close to a competition to ride. Whereas my brother and I, we'd religiously ride three times a week. Um, So saying that 
I don't know. Did you watch the writing in? Yeah. I was, yeah, yeah. I was hooked to it. I remember watching yeah. watching Annika and just like just I was almost in the verge of tears because it was just it was yeah. so just tragic to watch that. But a lot of the pentathletes that rode before Annika, there was a lot of falls. There was a lot of refusals mm, and stuff. Yeah. But that that and I know people might say different, but that came down to the riders. There was a lot of people like riders that needed a lot more experience, um, which, and I was sitting here talking to like my dad and stuff. And I was saying it was a bit embarrassing for the sport as well. It's like you made the Olympic games. You want to put that practice in. I'm not talking about Annika that she, the horse wouldn't go, but other riders as well. It's like, you need to, put in the work, you know, you're at an Olympic games and it's just as important as any other sport because it can literally put you from first all the way down to the bottom. Whereas most of those horses were good. It's just, yeah, like Annika's horse, that was um, very unfortunate for her. Which I remember one of the press conferences you gave after Rio talking about how much you and Max were training and sort of how that was almost looked down upon by some other pentas. Why, why is it? I would imagine that training more shouldn't be looked down upon. I mean, if anything, it's a positive, right? Yeah, some people would say we train too much and it's going to cause injuries and stuff like that. But it's what we've known since we've been just to work really hard. And um, sometimes, yes, we did get injuries. But if we did get an injury, it's not like my dad was a psycho and said, oh, you got to keep training because he had a few injuries before in his time and he knew when to pull back. And he was really, really cautious with them, made sure we looked after ourselves. Um, But, yeah, people always called us the crazy Espositos because of how much we trained. But... You know, I, it's in the results. <laughs> I mean, a gold medal around the neck kind of speaks volumes yeah. for, for how it works, right? Um, Definitely. You know, right. I, people can say what they want to say, but we've got the gold at the end the of the day. The proof is in the pudding, as they yeah. say. So I think that kind of that works out there. Now, of course, famous story, seventh going into the laser run. You make up the 45 seconds, go on to win the gold. Before I get to that moment... Going into that final race, I've, I've heard you talk a lot about how, you know, you felt you can make that up because 45 seconds sounds like a lot. But as you've said in many interviews before, you've made up time in that before. I mean, just how how were you? Like, can you think back to that now and just think, okay, I'm getting a gold medal today or was it I'm getting a medal? Like, what was the actual point where you were thinking, this is what I'm going to go and how focused? Like, had you ever been that focused before going into the final round at any event you've been in? Yeah, no, definitely. But um, going into it, yeah, I was not thinking about medals or anything. I didn't want to. I'd, Of course, it's always in the back of your mind, but I just didn't want to think about that. And like I said, my dad and I, we never spoke about medals before. And he just said to me before, you've done this in training before, you can do it again in competition. And I knew I was going to move up a few places. I just didn't know how many um, because I knew that was my strongest event and I could move up. But it wasn't, yeah, until the last run shoot, I don't know, the last shooting series where I went in third. Um, and then I just really had to focus on myself. I knew there was two girls in front of me, but I literally tried not to look at them. Sometimes I'd even going into the shooting range, I'd put my head down and then just go to my bay, grab the gun, shoot. Although the girls are next to me and just one really important thing to not look at their target because the lights are up there. So you can see them flashing red or green. So I had to, yeah, not look at them. Um, it's like I had blinkers on though. And I just, I was saying to myself, of course the rhythm and everything, but I was just saying to myself, okay, I've got another run. And then I was just pretending like I've got another shoot after this isn't the last one. So that's what I said to myself, another shoot after this, it's fine. And then I, once I got the fifth shot, I put down the gun and ran and that's when I'd realized I was in first place. Um, so that's when it hit me. And it wasn't until maybe about, 
after running, I think maybe about 200 meters. But I heard the commentator calling the shots of the other girls and saying they were missing. And when they'd finally left the range, I looked back. No, I shouldn't have looked back. It's uh, one rule not, <laughs> not to look back. But I looked back and um, I knew they weren't going to catch it. And that's when I had realised that I had got the goal. So it was a very a big pinch me moment. Which it's one of my favourite moments of watching that was that when you put down the pistol, you've got this look on your face. It's almost like that realisation of, shit, I'm in first. And it's just kind of like the, the, the look, run. And like that's, I think, my best memory of it. It's because I love seeing emotions that of athletes no matter where they are and kind of when you're seeing them in the midst of competition. And it's just, it's that literal moment of pistol down, holy crap, and then you're just <laughs> running. And it's just, I swear that look didn't leave your face until you crossed the finish line and yeah. then relief comes over you. <laughs> yeah, it was oh, incredible. And then my mum told me after the only thing she was thinking was just don't trip don't trip <laughs> and it was yeah so special because especially my um grandparents were there my grandfather had coached me a lot in the swimming event when i was in australia um my now husband is there my brother my sister my friend from america um, my mom and my dad dad was actually at the finish line i don't know how he got down there but he was at the finish <laughs> he's got line. connections right come on <laughs> he's got those connections as a former yeah, I know. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he's got him um and running down that straight and seeing my family in the grants oh it was just that's when i looked up at them and still watching that i can see like if i watch it back i can see myself looking up at that and seeing them cheering because the camera's behind them and it is it's, it always brings tears to my eyes when I watch it. And then crossing that finish line and just knowing that like a whole team, like we'd all done it and they were there to support me. It was it was incredible. I gave dad the biggest hug. It was like amazing. It was just, yeah, incredible. Which it's just all the layers to it too, Chloe. I mean, obviously for yourself personally to kind of achieve the peak of what you can in sport. But going back to what we were talking about before, the, the recognition it adds to the sport in Australia, I mean, even for the Southern Hemisphere, you know, in a, in a sport dominated by European nations, uh, yep. you know, to have the, the host network <laughs> scrambling to find a commentator to call it, you know, all these kind of levels and an Olympic record too. I mean, gosh, like yeah. just incredible to, to think of everything that, that came from it. I mean, is it something that you kind of, it's a pinch me moment, all of a sudden it hits you? Is it something that never hits you, kind of what all of that meant at it, that it, moment? it took a while for it to actually hit me. And I don't think it was probably until last year where I actually, I'm not trying to sound big headed or anything, but I was walking, I forget where I was. And then I was just thinking about it and I'm like, wow, that's actually pretty incredible what I did. <laughs> and that's when it sort of really hit me. And like people always ask, is it sunk in and sunk in before that? And I was like, yeah, so, but that's when it, I think it actually had really sunk in. Probably wasn't until about last year or something. So wow. it was, yeah, it was a lovely moment. And it, I can't believe it's been five years already. Yeah. Insane. And what, also one of my favourite moments too is, is watching you when the National Anthem is playing. I, I really respect the fact that you've got not, not just one hand on the heart, you've got double hands on the heart. This is like America can have the one. Let's start yeah. the trend of Australia with the double hand on the heart. I mean, I, I respect that, Chloe. I want the trend to take off more so with our Olympians to do yeah, that. Yeah, that's actually um, not about, it's, a, uh, it's one of my favourite stories, but ever since I've been a little girl, my grandfather, who was lucky enough, um, I was fortunate enough to have 
there because he had a bit of a scare before he thought he wasn't going to be able to make it. And then he um, came to watch me, which was beautiful. He'd always said to me when I was a little girl, when you get on that podium and win gold, he never said if, he always said when. Um, he said, can you do me one favor and put both hands on your heart? Because you represent." And I said, oh, of course, grandfather, I'll do that for you. And when I crossed the line, I saw him and he looked at me and he did that. And I, straight away, I, I was thinking it straight away. Of course, I was going to do that. So it was a really, really beautiful moment. Wow. Wow. That's a great story. Wow. Yeah. Adds even extra weight to that. That's fantastic yeah. to kind of hear that too. One of the perks I always love talking to about to our gold medalists, particularly from Australia, you get to be on a stamp, Chloe. Uh, what's, it, what's it like <laughs> to, cool. to come back to Australia and, hey, here's your stamp? <laughs> yeah, I know. That was actually someone the other day sent me a message and they had about 10 of them and they said, look, and I was like, oh, my gosh. <laughs> and mum and dad still have some at home in the safe. Um, <laughs> Which must be then weird if you up. get a letter and it's just, I don't know, a bill or something like that and there you are. Oh, there I am. Yeah. I'm on my own mail. <laughs> I know. It is pretty cool. I know there were some awesome things um, that did happen after the games, which was, which was great. But one of my favourite things after the games was hearing people's story, like yourself, of what they were doing when it had happened. And it was just really special to hear those. And one of my um, family friends, so actually my mum and dad run a swim school, one of the teachers, she was driving somewhere out in the country and so she had it on the radio and then she hears that I've started to move up. So she pulls over. She's full of emotion. She's screaming. She's getting upset. She's standing out the front of her car because she can't control her excitement and crying. This lady from her house hears her. It's like she's in the middle of nowhere, comes out the front of the house because she thinks she's having a heart attack or something. She goes, you're right. She goes, I know this girl. I know this girl. And she goes, oh, I'm watching on TV. Come in and watch it. So she went in and watched it with her, which I thought, that's one of my favourite things is hearing what people do. And that story I think is just so special. Wow. And I, I mean, were you getting inundated with messages like on social media? I mean, you're talking about sort of, you know, the followers before. I can imagine your followers all of a sudden go up and the sponsors are probably going, well, look at these yeah, followers Yeah, it, it was crazy. My phone did not stop. And that night after I didn't sleep, I think maybe oh, one hour or so, because I was just so excited and I was calling all my family and friends, the messages, and it was crazy. My phone just did not stop. But and then Max competed the next day, did it not? Was the men's not the next day? So then you kind of not only had to put those emotions, but you wanted to go cheer your brother on as well. <laughs> yeah. So I went and watched my brother and that was another really crazy thing because they had announced that I was in the stadium watching him and they said, Chloe Esposito, gold medals from yesterday, is here sitting watching her brother. So many people came and I was not used to this at all. Asking, I literally did not stop taking photos all day and then, one, I just said to my mum, mum, I need to go somewhere when no one's around just to sit for five minutes. I said, like, this is, it's getting a bit like, it was lovely, but I, it hadn't happened to me before. You wanted, like, like, you, you wanted to kind of have that moment. <laughs> yeah. And then, so I went away. I think we went to one of the athletes lounges and I just sat there for five minutes on the lounge with my eyes closed. And I said, what the hell is going on? <laughs> People would stop me like when I was walking from diff the different events to get photos, and it was beautiful. But it's just something that a pentathlete from Australia wasn't used to. Well, I'm saying right now in terms of the the how much it you know I got excited for. I'm sitting here wearing my modern pentathlon that's T-shirt. Awesome. Oh wow! So I'm just saying that this oh, is awesome. you know led. To, I don't know if I'm the only one who bought one on the AOC store when they had all the sports available. I'm like, no, I'm buying modern pentathlon. That's the one I'm oh, going for. Oh, thank you. That's awesome. So it it work, It's working wonders for that. But when you get back to Australia, I remember all the welcome home parades I had. I went to the Hobart one. You went to the Hobart one. It was yep. it was exciting to kind of see that. I mean, that's something that I I, I don't know if you participate 
participated in the Welcome Home Parades after London, but to come back with a, a medal around your neck and going back to that aspect that people are there like photos and that. But, I mean, I guess when you left for Rio and you thought you are going to come back uh, as a two-time Olympian, you didn't think you were going to get that reception at all these Welcome Home Parades. Oh, yeah. That was crazy as well, just going to all the different states and we were only there for like, 24 hours but it was just not like everyone coming up congratulating you it was really really beautiful and lovely to see so many young kids excited and that's when it sort of hit me that that people were actually looking up to me which was it was awesome do you then get any little girls coming up to you and going i want to grow up and be a pentathlete how do i do it oh, yeah. asking for advice. i did a few talks at like some all girls schools as well um after which was amazing and it's so lovely i love talking at all schools but there was one school that i spoke in at armadale which is really really special talking to this um young group of girls and the school was on a so they had horse riding there they had a swimming pool the athletics track it was um incredible so it was yeah and a lot of people they did want to get involved and it was yeah it was so so nice to be able to give other young people dreams which is really yeah. really nice for sure, for sure. I always love to find out from our medalists on this show, Chloe, what do you do with the medal? Is it on display? Is it in the sock drawer? Kind of like, what do you do with it? <laughs> yeah, literally in the sock drawer. <laughs> <laughs> I know, it should be, yeah. It's, but it's very, very well loved. It's got so many scratches on it just because of all the different places I've um, taken it to show people in schools and everyone's. I went to, I remember going to one school and um, I think it was maybe like 600 kids and the teacher said, okay, we can all go around now and have a look at the medal. So I literally stood up the front of the assembly and all the kids came around and touched it like that <laughs> and just had a little touch. <laughs> That's all they funny. wanted to do. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Which I can imagine every time you get a pair of socks out though, it's a pretty cool thing. Oh, there's my gold medal. There, my there Olympics. it is. There it is. Just, you know, grabbing my just socks there, today. Yeah, I know. You know. And even this interview has brought back a lot of um, memories, which has been really nice. Which is which we like to try and do. We at yeah. least the good ones. Uh, you know, we don't we don't try to dig up the bad ones too much. Well, <laughs> it depends on how the questions go. Which obviously, you know, life changes. Olympic gold medalists. Moving on then though to focusing on the next Olympics. So, a lot happened in your life, obviously, in between uh, Rio and Tokyo. But a couple of World Cup successes. And I, I also, in the lead up to this interview, watched an interview where you were talking about the next step is another Olympics, but you'd like to win a world championships as well. I mean, how, how frequent are the world championships when it comes to pentathlon? Is it a, is it a four yearly thing? Is it a two yearly thing? And, and kind of how did that aspect change at I'm an Olympic champion. Let's switch focus to try and get that world championship gold medal. Yeah. So world championships is every year in pentathlon. So it's once a year. So we're lucky um, to be able to have that opportunity. Um, but after the Rio Olympics, something switched in me and I just got all this confidence. And I, in 2018, I had the best season of my life. I had um, won a couple of World Cups and the last competition actually I competed in was the World Cup final and I won that for the first, which was, oh, I was over the moon with that result. Um, I know just something changed and I knew how hard I trained and I just, and again, this sounds no, I don't want to say, I know I say this, I don't want to say I'm big headed, but I, I knew that I was training harder than anyone else. And I knew that how much I had deserved it. Not all competitions went to plan. Um, but I knew if I kept working at it, that eventually, and that's what I always said to myself even before Rhea, if I keep working hard enough, 
it might not happen in a year. It might not happen in two years. It might happen 10 years or something, but it eventually will happen. And yeah, I just got all this confidence and I had the most successful year of my life in 2018. It was incredible. Which when you leave an Olympics as an Olympic champion, obviously I can imagine your competitors will obviously look at you a little bit differently. Uh, you yeah. know, oh, hey, this Olympic gold medalist, we've got to treat it differently. I, I mean, did you feel that people looked at you like your competitors and like this was something now that uh, I don't know if there's any sort of like uh, sledging or kind of, you know, a bit of, you know, rivalry and that sort of stuff that, that you are treated differently now that you walk away as an Olympic gold medalist by your competitors? Uh- a hundred percent because before um, I had won the gold, Australia in pentathlon was looked at like nothing. Like we were uh, basically rubbish, like they're never going to do anything in the sport. Um, you could tell that also in some of the training when you'd go um, overseas or for competition or like here coming fencing, I'm just fencing Australian, it's going to be easy. Um, after that, winning the medal, I think we had a lot, they had a lot more respect for us and realized what, how hard we work and that, Hey, we can actually do something in this sport, which, which was, which was nice to prove that little Australia, we can um, do, although we don't have many pentathletes, we can do it. Is there sledging in pentathlon? No, in pentathlon, no, all the girls are really, um, they're really quite friendly and everyone gets along really well. Always after competitions, everyone goes, there's an after party or people hang out and stuff. So everyone's really, really lovely in the sport. I'm I'm just thinking though that if you're like shooting and maybe having a bad day, you can maybe like be, you know, hey, hey, like nudge the, like take them off. Like you're you're, you're pissed off your own before, (laughs) ah, screw it, I'm just going to poke fun at these people next to. Like you've never sort of been tempted to do that? No, or maybe with my brother when I train, um, <laughs> train with him and in fencing and stuff, but no, not with the other athletes. <laughs> not, not quite that way. Obviously, as I said, a lot happened between uh, Rio and Tokyo. You, you become a mother, you get married, all that kind of stuff. The postponement of Tokyo almost kind of opened that door up to you to all of a sudden go, oh, yep. okay, like couldn't compete. Now there's an opportunity. W- what was that period like when you found out the games were postponed and and sort of how did that change? Did you sort of really consider going towards Tokyo then or kind of what happened in that um, aspect? No, I thought maybe it could be an opportunity, but I knew I wouldn't be fit enough for the games um, because it was basically a year after I had head little one um and I needed more time than that I needed maybe at least two like two years to get back into training and fitness and stuff and I didn't want to go knowing that I was just half fit if you know what I mean like I wanted to make sure I was able to put everything into it so definitely yeah it was uh, sometimes it crossed my mind that I could have but yeah I wanted to go knowing I was um able to give it the best opportunity like chance that I could what was it like you mentioned before? It was great. Obviously, Channel 7 were, were showing it and, uh, you know, yeah. obviously with the app as well, sort of, but it was sort of a, a, a bit of both really they were doing there. But then sort of watching it, uh, kind of seeing how uh, Marina and Ed did sort of during the, the games, kind of like what was that experience going from competing at two Olympics in a row to all of a sudden sitting on the couch and uh, having to watch it? Yeah, well, it was very, very different. <laughs> And it was actually really beautiful. A lot of people messaged me during the game saying, oh, how are you feeling about it? Yeah, but I, I absolutely loved it. It was just a different experience just sitting here with um, the family, watching the, all the sports and then the pentathlon in the last couple of days. I loved it because I've never really got to watch also the other athletes compete. So this was the first time I was able to 
sit down and watch how the other girls are going, how the other males are going. Um, so it was, it was good. I, yeah, I absolutely loved it. And it was good to cheer on our Aussies, Ed and Marina too. Um, Marina's first Olympics and Ed's second. So it was nice to see, um, Aussies there. It was really, really good. The thing that was amazing about it too, and I'm not sure if this is a common thing, say in, in world cups and then around the world is the fact that they had everything in the one stadium. They had made the makeshift pool, the kind of the fencing section, like, is that, common or is that the first time they've ever done no, that that was the first time they ever did it and t- they had put on an amazing like it looked incredible they put the pool in the middle yeah the horse riding the running machine the fencing it was in it looked amazing i think it would have been an amazing experience there um and yeah no that tokyo the japanese they did an incredible incredible job so i think that's what they're planning to do maybe from now on just so you have like because before that You'd go from one venue, you might have to get in the bus, travel 20 minutes to another one, another venue. So it's like you get, you buy your ticket, you get your seat and you get to watch the whole show. Yeah, which we were saying it's a shame there were no crowds there because like that I know, it was so, yeah, it was disappointing. But hey, there's so, it's awesome that they were still able to be on. Well, I'm thinking come Brisbane that uh, it needs to be its own separate stadium. I want them to build the Chloe Esposito Stadium. <laughs> In Brisbane, <laughs> that'd, be, uh, oh, that'd be actually really cool. Yeah, <laughs> oh, I have I think, to put in a word there. I think yeah, you've got some sway now. Just wear the medal, uh, <laughs> you know, kind of go along that way. Bring your dad, bring your brother, bring bring everyone yeah. along. You know, we're all Olympians. Come on now. I want this, the Chloe Zeno Stadium in Brisbane. Exactly. Lock it, lock it in. Were, were you sad to see your Olympic record go when Kate won the gold? Oh, not not really to be, but you know what? Because it's it's different, like. The swimming pool is 25 metres there, so it was shorter. In Normally it's 50 metres, so the times are different. Um, the running tracks are different. Like it's – and it was broken, but, you know, good on um, – I'm so, so – I actually thought – I had my um, bets on her that she was going to win in Rio. I thought I had my money on her to win wow. in Rio. Um, so I was so, so happy for her. And GB actually took out both gold um joseph chung and kate french so i was yeah really really and my husband's from england too so <laughs> kind of there's he a was happy. slight you know loyalties on two sides there basically yeah. so that that kind of works and i mean laura created history too becoming the first ever two-time medalist in the sport oh I mean, yeah and which... that's what so i was meant to mention that before she in the combined she started 52 seconds behind the leader and i was um calling up my dad before and i said Dad, she's going to be on the podium. He goes, 52 seconds. So I said, Dad, I was at 45 seconds. And I go, that's her event. She is such a strong runner and shooter. I said, she'll definitely get up there. I thought she would have um, got the gold, but um, she was close. Uh, it was incredible. Which it's fascinating to think that that was the first that had ever been done that. There's kind of multiple multiple medalists because it's it's sort of, I mean, yeah. I guess it's a very unique sport. Yeah, and obviously bag. a lot can happen. But, um, yeah, sort of a history-making moment. I mean, I, I, I'm saying it right now, though, Chloe, you were there. You would have done it before Laura. So I'm just saying, you know, just clearly <laughs> you, that would have oh, been you. you. <laughs> <laughs> that would have been nice. The, the history would have been uh, made there. Uh, before we sort of close things off with a series of uh, fun questions that we we like to do with that, uh, obviously, though, Paris now, that's that's the goal kind of obviously we keep saying only three years rather than the four and sort of uh, I guess what's the journey looking like between now and Paris? I don't know. It's at the moment very different because of lockdown. So there's not too much um, we can do, just make them well, – do the most I can at home or just around in my five kilometer radius. Um, but yeah, that would be lovely to compete in Paris. So we'll just have to wait and see after when things open up again. I've always said I would love to go and train back overseas, but now I've got the little one. It's um, 
I just have to sit down and have a talk with my dad, manager, my husband, and just see what the plan is now. We might have to maybe base ourselves more here in Australia. Um, we just have to have a good talk about that at the moment and see what happens. But it would, yeah, be awesome to have three Olympics under the belt. Is it is it something that when Ted gets to 10 and kind of uh, you can then tell him about your journey yeah. and you get the tracksuit out and kind of this is what, yeah, this is what mum did it. that kind of continued the family tradition? Yeah, I, that, that would be great. And that's another thing, like if I did compete um, in Paris, just having him there watching would be amazing. It would be incredible um, to have him there watching his mum compete. Um, but, yeah, it would be nice, I know. So we'll see what happens um, when he's about 10. I'll pull out the suitcase and my fencing gear and maybe he might have another brother or sister and they can fence one another and maybe that can be his dream then. Go for it. Yeah, I like it. It's just like the family business. It's like Esposito <laughs> and sons and daughters just going along the way. This, you <laughs> Literally. Know, going all that way. Now, as I mentioned, we close out every single interview with a series of fun questions now. Yep. As we explain in every one of these, it's based off a questionnaire that Team Canada gave their athletes ahead of uh, Rio and Pyeongchang. Bit of fun. And as always, there's some homework. If you want to do it, you don't have to. There's a drawing aspect to this. As always, you're welcome to send in these pictures, but no pressure. Yep. You're a busy person, so it's <laughs> it's fine if you don't need to. But, all right, first question, and you're allowed to answer your own, Chloe. What is yep. your favourite Olympic moment? Oh, no, I do have another one. It would be the um, 2000 Olympics, the... Oh, I don't even know. I think it was the four by one hundred or four by two hundred. The smashing guitars moment. Yes, the four that, by one. Yes, four by one hundred. That was with the um, male swim team. That was probably my favorite, and that's something that I will never forget. And we're actually talking about this the other day. If there was one athlete I could meet, and I would be starstruck, it'd probably be Ian Thorpe. Like wow. he is. My, Growing up, there's someone I always watch on the TV, like the Olympics, Australian Swimming Championships. It was all about Ian Thorpe. So that moment when they did the smashing guitars, incredible. You know what surprised me? I think you're the first person to ever answer that moment. And I'm surprised it doesn't get answered more because that is like an amazing moment. And I also think, Chloe, you've got some connections there. You could probably meet Ian. I think like, you know. (laughs) That'd be nice. (laughs) Wear the gold medal. Like you've got a bit of a club going on there, I'm sure. Like, you know, uh, I think you could could pull some strings there. (laughs) Just contact Channel 7. He's on their books now. So, you know, maybe do it it that way. Um, If you could have any superpower, what would it be? Oh, um, a superpower, I think to fly would be good because then – or be transported from one place to another so then I wouldn't have to sit in the plane for ages, go to competition, be quick, maybe chuck Ted on my back, take him with me. <laughs> yeah, probably flying or to transport from place to place like Perfect. in a second. Love it. Uh, your favourite sports movie is? Oh, <laughs> no, it's not. have you seen the movie Pentathlon? No, I have not. It's, it's terrible. Um, so it's, it's definitely not that. My favourite sports movie. Oh, I don't know. I'm intrigued about pentathlon now. I always like to ask if there's a movie based yeah, um, on sport. So is it, is it based you know, on Delph, modern pentathlon? Um, Delph Lund. Oh, Delph Lundgren. Yes, he yep. plays the main, the main actor in that. Um, but favourite sports movie, I. I don't know. Sorry, I can't answer that one. That's okay. I'm putting down pentathlon as your answer, just to FYI. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> uh, now, again, homework, draw a picture of yourself. I'm seeing here the athlete we're basing this off has drawn a lovely stick figure. I'm not too sure about that. But, hey, probably no better than I could do, so what can I say? Um, your funniest 
childhood memory is? Oh, I don't know if it's, it's not really funny or you could say, you could say it's a little bit funny. I, I don't know why this stuck in my head. My first ever athletics carnival, I cried my eyes out before the 200 meters running because I was scared of the start gun and I was bawling my eyes out and I ran the whole race holding hands with the girl next to me running the whole <laughs> way because I was terrified. <laughs> no, no, it is funny. I just, that's wow. stuck in my head my whole life. And just think that how many years later that, you know, same thing helped you kind of win an Olympic gold medal. Yeah. So uh, <laughs> full circle, you got, you got over that fear eventually. Wow. Um, what is your favourite pump-up song? I've got like a random, random playlist that I play. It's a mix of like 90s Eurodance oh. with a bit of Blink-182 in there with songs from now. So it's just a mixed bag. That sounds like an amazing playlist. Bit 90s of MGMT, Eurodance. like just electric feel, you know, all that stuff. September, that's, yeah, mix of everything. I, I need to ask, and if no one's done it, then maybe we need to be the first to do it. Has anyone yeah. ever put together a song about you to the tune of Desposito by Justin Bieber? <laughs> but funny thing is so many people have like sung it to me and then my cousin, so her name is Grace Esposito. Apparently she went to get her driver's license and they saw and they turned around and they started singing Grace Desposito. <laughs> <laughs> so a lot of people have thought about it though. I um, was doing some commentary in Canada for some hockey and there was a player on one of the teams whose last name was Esposito and I dropped a line where he made some play and then I'm like, also Esposito, my favourite Justin Bieber song. And my <laughs> co-commentator just gave me the weirdest look and just moved on and it was like, okay, humour not landing very well here in the commentary box today. No, I would have so. laughed. laughed at it. Yes, good. That's that's. I'm glad that finally that joke landed a couple of years later. Um, the most recent TV show that you binge watched is. Um, what did I watch recently? I have. What's the name of it? What did I watch? I can't even remember the name of it now. It was on stand. Oh, the collection. Ah, yes. On nice. stand. Okay, I was going to say like, is it just a bunch of kids shows at the moment? But um, oh, yeah, that's you know. Wiggles are on like a lot at the moment. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you're sick of hearing hot potato. You're done. Yes. Like no, no more hot potato. But I'm loving the new ads. Have you seen the ads with um Simon Cowell? Yes, in them? yes, and the, the black wiggle. Yeah, yes, cool. yes. Wow, that would be an interesting uh, change to that group, wouldn't it? Uh, yeah. If you could be an Olympian in any other sport besides your own, what would it be? Well, you know, I've always wanted to, if I didn't do pentathlon, I think I wanted to do boxing. Ah. Um, so I think I'd like to be a boxer, but then also, yeah. Nice. Although I look up to Ian Thorpe so much, like it'd be cool to be, but I just, swimming is my least favourite sport out of the pentathlon and I don't think I could ever just be a full-time swimmer. <laughs> so, yeah, a boxer, I reckon. Okay. You could maybe contact Sky Nicholson, Caitlin Parker, yeah. get some advice from them. You know, Harry, you know, know. it's kind of a bit of a upturn of boxing at the moment in the country, so that kind yeah. of uh, that would work. Um, growing up, who was your favourite sports team? Mm. Oh, um, Dragons, NRL. Nice. Love the My Dragons. dad would be happy with that answer. He's a big Dragons fan. So, and I was lucky uh, enough to go when they won their last grand final, I was there to watch it, which nice. is really, really cool. Nice. Always good to have those moments. Um, what is your guilty pleasure? Now, this is a bit open ended. It's usually a guilty pleasure snack, but this is just guilty pleasure in general. Mm. Well, I do love my sweet treats. Okay. But 
the not really feeling guilty after I eat them. <laughs> I don't know. Is there a particular one that you like with the sweet treats? Oh, I do love like a um, jam and cream cake or donut or something nice. like that. I do love my cream. Like that growing works. up, yeah, big sweet tooth. And my whole family is really, really big sweet tooth. Like when we used to go on family holidays with our family friends, they would serve it up and then their children would say, no, we want an Esposito serving, which meant like about five times bigger. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Can we, can we can we steal that now? Just take yeah. that as an, like a big serving is just called an Esposito serving. With I think cream, that, ice yeah. cream, custard, the works. Put it on. Sounds like that episode of Friends when Rachel cooks the, the damn trifle thing or whatever it is and there's everything in it. So uh, yeah. <laughs> that goes. Now, I, I might even know the answer for this because, of course, you were in the uh, the Woolies Heroes book and they sort of yeah. asked uh, their people about favourite veggies. But what is your least favorite veggie not your favorite veggie oh least favorite um what don't i like i like the lot because i had my blueberries as my favorite fruit um but least favorite i don't think i have one i, I like pretty much anything okay maybe pasta no but i do love roasted parsnip um and I eat broccolini lots, Brussels sprouts I even like. Wow. I think you might I be like, the first person I've ever met who likes all vegetables. This is great. Oh, oh no, yeah. I, I do, Good I do for like the kids. Listen Pardon? to this, kids. Listen to this, kids. You can like all your vegetables. It's possible. What, is, what have some other people said? Oh, look, I think generally broccoli gets answered a bit. Uh, yeah. yeah, Brussels sprouts are kind of the standard ones. Somebody did answer carrot, though, and that always confused me that oh. you can't like carrot. Carrot, so. yeah, no, I do like carrot. Yeah, interesting. Is, see, is it when I have them, like I also like if I have a carrot, I'll dip it in some hummus or something, or some yes. tzatziki or stuff like yeah. that, or Brussels sprouts you can put with a little bit of bacon or something, you know, spice it up. Yeah, all the different ones. Is it is it more of an honour, Chloe, to be on a stamp or be on a Woolworths Aussie Hero sticker? Oh, I don't know. It was pretty special though being in the Woolies um, sticker. I got so many messages off like parents with their kids holding my stickers saying they were so proud. And because my parents own a sort of school, um, I teach swimming there and I have my little squad classes and the kids were like, I think they, they knew what I had done, but it probably really sunk in once they got my sticker at Woolies, they were like, oh, my goodness. <laughs> so that was pretty special being able to um, for them to look up to me. It was awesome. See, it was the opposite for me. Every single time I opened a damn sticker and it wasn't you, I was pissed off. I'm like, come on, <laughs> like this is like my fifth Emma McKeon. Like I love her, but come on, where's my Chloe? Like Jesus. <laughs> Oh, no, Finally I was, got two. they set Sorry. me out one, but I was lucky. I've got a few of me. I just finished mine just about when the Olympics finished, so I finished the whole book. Yeah, yeah. No, I ended up doing it too, and I think I got a spare yeah. one eventually of you. So, okay, <laughs> it's, the, the effort was worth it. That was my Olympic gold medal. I finally got there. Um, if you weren't an athlete, what would you be? Good question. Yeah. I know I did. I was always like I'd like to be a school teacher, but now, I don't know, seeing all these parents, the whole homeschooling and stuff like that, and the teachers having to homeschool online, I don't think I could do that. Um I don't, I, I, I like helping people. So I think in some kind of field where I was able to help people like, um, and inspire them more like younger, the younger generation, so helping in some way. I think you're doing that already, Chloe. I think you're kind of achieving <laughs> that at the same time. So you kind of, it's, Thanks. I like that, the balance. Um, your favorite vacation spot is? Oh, uh, well, uh, I was talking the other day, I said after COVID, where was one place I could want to go to? 
I love Japan, Tokyo, because I've been there a couple of times. It's amazing. But Mexico, we've ah. had a few training camps there. It is incredible. Beautiful. Um, I just, the food, the people, the atmosphere, it's, and I haven't got to go like everywhere yet. I'd love to go to some of the holiday destinations there, but even the training camps have been phenomenal. So Mexico, Japan, um, if I was in Australia, there's, oh, there's too many places that I haven't been yet that I need to try though. So I think yeah. that's one thing when the borders open, I'll be able to find some more places in Australia. When, when you came to Hobart for the, the parade, I remember it was sort of Saturday morning. It was a Salamanca market day. Were you able yep. to sneak away after the parade to kind of go around Salamanca or was it very like controlled? Like you've got to go here, you've got to go here and then yeah. get on a plane. And then get on a plane, go home. Yeah, no. Yeah. But I, I would love to come back. It actually, yeah, that was the only time I've ever been. Oh, no, sorry. I've been there once before for uh, cross-country nationals. Nice. Right. And that was okay. oh, back when I was, I think, maybe in year eight um, okay. or nine. But, um, yeah, that's the only other time I've been. So I can't really remember too much back then either because we weren't really – doing allowed to like you have your competition and stuff so i'd have to definitely come back well i was going to say come here and start the tasmanian modern pentathlon federation i don't know if it exists uh but i mean hey there's there's always room for it exactly final question what is one thing that people usually describe you as i had a few things after the olympics one was humble um and like the girl next door type of girl <laughs> i see it i like it awesome i love here so i should mention we've, we've, we've based these questions off uh elizabeth vaith a skeleton racer and she's written here hardworking and silly so oh, um, maybe that, she's that, seen some of my um my brother and i were filming some youtube videos when i when we were overseas so she's probably seen some of those <laughs> perfect i like that now Chloe, before we let you go if people want to follow your journey between now and and paris or just kind of stay up to date with what you're up to where can they find you on social media plug anything you would like right now uh instagram it's just chloe esposito and twitter chloe esposito as well chloe esposito 91 on twitter but instagram's just chloe esposito easy that simple chloe absolute honor to have your time today to learn more about your journey your career the sport no, of modern pentathlon you. and i just want to say right now you talk about yourself you're allowed to talk about yourself and and say that your skills you're an olympic gold medalist i right now just want to say you're welcome for us putting modern pentathlon on the map just before you like like two weeks before the gold medal so it was, it was kind <laughs> yeah, of good thank time, you very so. much <laughs> no, thank you so much for having me. And it actually did bring some really, really nice memories back, which was I'm going to go now and talk to my husband about them. It was it's special. And a massive, massive thanks to Chloe there. Such an incredible chat. And I'm still smiling. I'm still sitting here smiling in my modern pentathlon t shirt. Who can say out there that they own a modern pentathlon t shirt and interview? a modern pentathlon gold medalist. I can probably say I'm at least the only Tasmanian to ever have done that in the history of the world. So going on my bucket list right now, going on my resume, not my bucket list, it's something I've ticked off my bucket list, going on my resume, that that is an achievement that I have done. So taking that moment to inflate my own ego here today. Good job, Ben. Uh, But Chloe, massive thanks for having her on the show and for her time today. We've got so many great more interviews coming your way here and off the podium. We've got winter athletes. We've got summer athletes. We're talking about so many different sports and you are not going to want to miss a single second of what we've got to come for you in the coming weeks in the lead up to Beijing 2022. If you want to stay up to date with everything that we've got going on, hit us up on all the social media channels. We're on Instagram. We're on Twitter. We're on Facebook. Send us a message. Tell us what you think of the show. Tell us how amazing Chloe 
Chloe is. Queen Chloe. I've got to keep saying that. Queen Chloe. And if you've got any guests that you would like us to track down, any ideas for episodes, shoot us a message. We're always open to those ideas and we'd love to hear what you think and what you have in store, what you might think we should do. We're kind of open a lot to those sort of feedbacks. So... Um, and maybe teach me how to speak very well at the end of these episodes because apparently I've just lost all ability to do that right now. Also, subscribe to the podcast. We're on uh, Amazon Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, all the channels. Search for Off The Podium. While you're there, leave us some feedback. Leave us a rating. A 5 out of 5 rating for today. Let's be honest. Could it be anything else? No. 5 out of 5 rating for today's episode. We love to hear what you think about the show and, of course, it helps us out there. Get the show spread out to more people, which means that we can get more exciting feedback, more exciting requests, and more people to hear Chloe Esposito, which is, at the end of the day, what we want to have. That's very true. Thanks again to Chloe. Thanks again to everybody for tuning in here off the podium. My name is Ben. We'll speak to you next time. Good night. Turning Japanese up, they come turning Japanese over the things so